Hello, welcome to the For the Love of Film podcast. I am the host, Scott David Chase. Um, uh, this week I saw the movies Book Club, Deadpool 2, and Anything. Um, so I took my mother to see Book Club. Um, it was a belated Mother's Day date. I took her out to dinner, um, and then we went to see the movie. Um, it was a movie that I knew, uh, you know, I'd seen the preview for, for a while and had heard, uh, Mary Steenburgen, one of the four actresses in it on Mark Maron's WTF podcast, talking about it and just talking, she was talking about, you know, how, a, what a rare thing it was for there to be any roles for women over 65 in the movies these days and much less four women all over 65, uh, Mary Steenburgen being the youngest at 65 and Jane Fonda being the oldest at 80 years old. Um, and Diane Keaton and Candace Bergen are the other two and they're, they play four lifelong friends who, you know, ostensibly have had a book club for 40 years that, uh, you know, um, the only books that they really put into pay pay much attention to in the in the framework of the film are the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy books, which they read, um, which you know ignites a, um, a desire to varying degrees amongst the four of them. Which, uh, if you listen to this podcast, I reviewed the third film. In the series Fifty Shades Freed uh, a couple months ago. Uh, not a fan myself, but, you know, as it is, uh, I realize I'm not the target audience for those books. And this is obviously representing some of the people who are the target audience. You know, they've sold millions of books worldwide. So obviously someone, some people do enjoy those books. Um but it's basically four women who are at various state stages in relationships. Um, you know, uh, Diane Keaton is a, a widow, uh, a year ago, her husband died. Uh, Jane Fonda is a, uh, woman who's always been single and enjoys the single life. And Candace Bergen is a divorcee, uh, who's, you know, hasn't had, a romantic relationship in 18 years. And then Mary Steenburgen is married, but there, some of the passion in her marriage is fizzled. She's married to, uh, uh, Craig T. Nelson plays her husband. And, uh, you know, I've always enjoyed him. So, uh, and so, um, Diane Keaton, uh, is pursued by, uh, by, um, a pilot played by Andy Garcia and Jane Fonda is pursued by Don Johnson, who they were lovers 40 years before. And then uh, Candace Bergen goes online to try and meet people. And uh, Richard Dreyfus is the one person she has a good date with. And uh, Wallace Shawn, um, who's, who is probably most well-known from the Princess Bride, someone that she meets as well. But And then her um, her... Ex-husband is played by Egg Beg, eh, eh, excuse me, Egg Begley Jr., who uh, is now in a relationship with a much younger woman. But um, this movie, I, I recognize, it's not aimed at me. It is aimed at you know women 
over the age of 50 primarily, although other people can see it. Um, you know, it, it, when the movie was over, uh, my mom leaned over to me and said, you know, I would definitely call that a chick flick, which, um, she's, she's not wrong. Uh, I, I, I don't think she necessarily enjoyed it as much as I thought she might. Um, not to say that she disliked it, but it was, you know, it was a fun distraction and I didn't hate it as much as I thought initially I would, um, it was clear that the four women had had uh, chemistry t- together and um, they're all excellent actresses. The The biggest shortcoming with it is the script's just not great. There's not a whole lot for given for them to do. And it's, you know, it's, it's uneven the, the sort of the tone of the film. Um, the cast is all top notch and it's a shame that they weren't given more to do. Uh, it is, uh, Bill Holderman, who is the director and also one of the screenwriters, it's his directorial debut. And it, it's a pretty, uh, by the numbers romantic comedy as far as the way it's shot and, and, and the arc of the, the arc of the, the four stories that are inter interwoven. You can definitely see, how it's going to end about 20 minutes into the movie, but that doesn't mean it was an unpleasant ride. It's, you know, I didn't, I, I don't think I actually laughed out loud more than once or twice in the film, but I wasn't miserable either. So it's certainly, again, not something that was, I'm not the, I'm not the primary audience this was made for, and that's fine. Um, one thing of note that is kind of odd is so Don Johnson is in it, but his daughter Dakota Johnson <clears throat> stars in <clears throat> stars in the three Fifty Shades of Grey films. So that was put it kind of like a weird little spin out since those books are brought up and discussed quite a bit in the film. Um, you know, it's it's a pleasant enough film, and but it's it's instantly fairly forgettable. My my biggest complaint. Uh, really is that, uh, you know, two of the, uh, the two actresses who play Diane Keaton's daughters, uh, Katie Asselton and Alicia Silverstone are both very gifted comedians and they were given nothing funny to do the entire film. They were basically wasted. They're just constantly concerned that Diane Keaton is too old to live on her own and trying to get her to move to Arizona with them. And, uh, it was disappointing that they weren't given a, a chance to shine and they were basically wasted in their roles. But, uh, yeah, it's again, not for me. I would, I would give book club a, a five. It's a, it, it was a solid, if not exceptional film, but, uh, you know, again, not, not something that I would have gone out of my way to see it. Were I not doing this podcast? Uh, the next movie, uh, Deadpool 2 was something that I was looking forward to. And, um, you know, I, the two, it had two things. Uh, well, first let me say I enjoyed it, but I went to an evening screening, a, uh, 10, 15 showing, which is not incredibly late, but I had worked a nine hour day that, or an 11 hour day. I'm sorry. And so I was tired and uh, in the last half hour of the movie, I just kept thinking to myself, this isn't over yet. Um, 
part of why the first Deadpool was so great was it was different than anything else that had come before it as far as a superhero film. You know, breaks the fourth wall. It, it's an R-rated. It's 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 raunchy. It's incredibly violent. Uh, you know, really kind of no no punches were pulled making that, which fits with the character well and also works well with Ryan Reynolds' character. And much like Guardians of the Galaxy, we you know we didn't know what to expect from it, and. It was so different and so fresh that it was such a pleasant surprise. So the problem with Deadpool 2 was the same problem with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is they delivered on all the stuff that the first one had, but we now knew what to expect. We didn't have the the element of surprise. Um, we weren't caught off guard unexpectedly. So um, that's not to say that Deadpool 2 is a bad film, not by any means, but it didn't captivate me the way the first one did. Um, my, you know, mm, there's a lot more characters in it as Deadpool uh, is is putting together his team, uh, his X Force team. There were the way that that's handled in the film is funny and and smart, um, and I can't really say more about that without giving it away. But um, there are a lot more characters in this film and most of them are pretty forgettable uh, except for Domino who's played by Zazie Beats. Um, yes, that is her name. Um, and it is different than the Domino than how Domino is portrayed in the comic. And that's okay. She did a great job. She made it a memorable character. Um, Josh Brolin, who was fantastic only a couple weeks ago in uh, Gar- uh, Avengers infinity war playing Thanos is kind of unmemorable as Cable in this. And he's a character that's being introduced that will be in future Deadpool and X-Men films. And, you know, if the merger, the the Fox purchase by Disney actually happens, um, it'll be merged into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So potentially Cable and Deadpool could be in the same universe played by the same actor. But fairly unmemorable in this and not necessarily a fault of Josh Brolin. He's an excellent actor, but just wasn't just didn't really captivate me in this. Um, the other part, uh, what is the kid's name? There's a, there's a young kid who, uh, basically they're, they're trying to, uh, 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 fire fist, uh, uh, the character's name is Russell Collins, Fire Fist, and he's played by Julian Dennison. And that's ultimately Cable's trying to track him down. Deadpool's trying to stop him, stop Cable from tracking him down and killing him. Uh, I just don't care about this kid at all. Um, I've never seen the actor in anything, so I don't know if it's lack of charisma on his part or if I just, uh, I, you know, I wasn't familiar with Fire Fist, this character, and I just didn't, I didn't care about it. Um, you know, there's definitely a lot of humor there. There's, there's, there are some fun cameos in it and some mid credit sequences at the end that uh, are, were the highlights of the movie. 
but the little sprinkled in things there really shouldn't be the highlight in my opinion. Um, again, I, it could have been because it was late night and maybe if I saw it earlier in the day, not on a work day, I would have enjoyed it more, but, um, it was, it was okay. Um, about halfway through, I kept thinking, man, this is like every other superhero movie. And, you know, I've been getting tired of superhero movies for a while. So, uh, it was just kind of like, okay, more of the same. So, you know, I would give, if you're, if you're a superhero fan, if you like those movies, I would give Deadpool two, maybe a seven. Otherwise I would give it a solid six. Um, it's, you know, it was, it was okay, but it's impossible to recapture the magic of the first one. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think Ryan Reynolds is great as Deadpool. It was, you know, it, they say this all the time, but it was really a character he was born to play and he does an excellent job of capturing that character, but it's just not, uh, not, uh, not the out of left field surprise hit that the first one was as far as showing us something new. So yeah, that's, that's my, that's my feelings on, uh, uh, Deadpool two. Um, and the last film I saw, was a film called Anything, which uh, was written and directed by Timothy McNeil, who I'm not familiar with. And in fact, I went into this movie knowing absolutely nothing about it. Uh, my friend Bob Scammon, who I do the uh, Flicks and Food uh, podcast episodes with, had seen it Saturday afternoon. I went and saw it Sunday evening. He, It, it was... Um, you know, we were down in Somerville recording our, our podcast uh, review of the RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg documentary, and he did a double feature after we had lunch. He went back and saw that, so um, I didn't know anything about it, uh, no pun intended, uh, but it was playing in Danvers, Mass. last night, so when I got out of work, I went to the theater and saw it, and one of the things I really like about that theater, it's an AMC theater, and AMC often plays tiny independent films and this was one of them so i was like yeah i'll give it a shot um and and i never i've never seen a film quite like this um i you know i didn't know anyone who was in it um before the movie started and it was one of those movies that did not have traditional opening credits so it didn't list the name of actors so as the few actors who i recognized popped up i was like oh they're in this cool um the the film stars John Carroll Lynch, who is a character actor who um, I'm sure the name is not familiar, but his face probably is. He, he acts a lot. Uh, his most well-known role, arguably, is he played uh, Francis McDormand's husband in Fargo, the Coen Brothers film, uh, you know, almost 20 years ago, maybe more than 20 years ago now. Um. And it's a not dissimilar character to that. Uh, the the other actor in it is Matt Bomer, um, who, uh, let's see, uh, I, I didn't realize I, I had seen him in other stuff when when I saw this film because he, he plays a transgendered woman in this, so I didn't immediately recognize him. Um, he's on... He's on the show White Collar, and he was in the film Magic Mike. Uh, but again, I didn't, uh, I didn't recognize him 
from those. Uh, he was also in the film Nice Guys last year, but um, uh, and Maura Tierney, who I hadn't seen in a long time, uh, plays uh, John Carroll Lynch's sister. But uh, it's it's a very unique film, very unique relationship. John Carroll Lynch plays uh, a, a a gentleman from the Deep South who his wife dies in a car accident and he, he goes into depression and um, attempts suicide. And uh, his sister, Maura Tierney uh, makes him move to Los Angeles with her. And then, you know, after a brief time staying at the house with her, um, gets his own place. He moves into Hollywood and uh, lives in this, you know, multi apartment, uh, building and uh, strikes up a uh, unlikely friendship with Frida, the transgendered woman who lives next door. And they, they couldn't be more different, but they're, um, you know, they're kind of two broken lost souls who, who uh, help each other out. And it's a, it's a very tender, but very honest, lived in film and uh you know was captivated the entire time really just really enjoyed it um it was funny it was heartbreaking it was sweet it was tender and uh yeah i had a i had an interesting moment where i i had um i had a a cd Actually, actually, it was a cassette when I was a kid in 1990. I, I purchased this album called Nobody's Child, Romanian Angel Appeal, which is a various artist collection. Um, that And I, I purchased it at the time because there was a, a, a new, at the time, Guns N' Roses song. At the, you know, when I, was, uh, when I was 15 years old, Guns N' Roses was my favorite band, so I shelled out the $10 to buy this tape. Anyway... Flash forward to 2018. I hadn't heard that album in a long time. I, I no longer had the cassette. And um, I bought the CD used online because I was looking for a Paul Simon, George Harrison song on it. And what, I got the CD a couple days ago. And uh, there's a there's a live recording of the Bee Gees performing How Do You Mend a Broken Heart. And I remembered hearing it when I had listened to the album when I was a child and not having much thought about it but listening to it now as an adult i was just thinking what a beautiful song it was and this was only a few days ago and that's that song uh is sung by john carroll lynch's character in the film and it plays a pivotal part uh in connecting the two characters so it was it was i had a little personal connection little little uh uh fun connection to the film through that which i i just thought was quite interesting so um yeah the film anything uh, i would give it an eight out of ten uh very well made uh very very beautiful little movie so um you know i love supporting independent films so if you get the chance to see it playing near you uh go check it out so that is this week's episode thank you for listening and i'll talk to you again soon